Party on, Todd. Party on, Sal. Rock on. Rock on. Well, welcome back, podcasters, to another episode of the Party on John Cast. This is Reverend Sal Samarco, a validated minister in the PCUSA, Presbytery of Newton, served in the in healthcare chaplaincy uh, in the town of Newton. Ooh, and I'm uh, Todd Laddick. I'm a an ordained. Uh, elder in the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, serving in the town of Newton, a wonderful congregation here in the town of Newton, just on higher, slightly higher ground than Sal. That's the only higher ground I give him because he's literally up the hill from me. <laughs> yes, and uh, as a Presbyterian and Reformed minister, you know that God gives me the higher ground. It was preordained. <laughs> so today we have a, a special guest with us, a good friend of mine from seminary, actually. Uh, Reverend Blake Severson. So, uh, hey, Blake. Hello. Go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. I know you, obviously, but um, Todd really doesn't know you that well, and our listeners don't know you, so tell us about yourself. All right. Um, Yep, Uh, Reverend Blake Severson, PCUSA pastor in Rock Island, Illinois. I've been working working in the church since I graduated in 2007. And uh, have found my way through a long and winding road um, to uh, Rock Island, Illinois. And uh, it definitely required some uh, perseverance, which is what we'll be talking about today. But uh, I am a big-time heavy metal fan. I love uh, my Viking heritage, as the name Severson should indicate. Um, I spend my time climbing mountains, lifting weights, and doing what I can to be the best husband and father that I can. You are probably the, the most Viking out of the three of us. Yes, I, I, uh, I uh, when you said lifting weights, I grabbed my stomach and said, yeah, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> um, oh, awesome. That's awesome. So uh, Blake and I overlapped at the University of Dubuque Theological Seminary. As Blake just said, he graduated in 2007. I graduated 2008. We were actually roommates for, was that one year? We were roommates for a year. It was one year. Well, yeah, my last year, I came in and lived with you and Crock and Jim. That's right. Um, the debauchery that went on in that townhouse. I won't <laughs> that talk. was something else. It was. Yeah. A lot of halo. That's another episode. A that lot of another, halo. <laughs> another episode. Yeah, totally another episode. But but Blake, you said you climb mountains. Do you mean like um, like mountain mountain climbing climbing or uh, foothill climbing like we do out here? Um. So. I've done a couple of 14ers, um, done some 5,000 footers in Alaska. Mm. Um, what I do is predominantly still just walking. Uh, it's just steep walking. Um, gotcha. I'm hoping at some point, though, to graduate into the uh, truly calling it climbing aspect. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I would say, you know, I joke about foothills, the uh, depending on which quote-unquote foothill you are out here in Jersey on, they're not all that... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes you need to use all fours to 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 get up the hill, so to speak. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. <clears throat> actually, Todd, Todd not fourteen thousand, not no, fourteen yeah, thousand, not, nothing <laughs> compared to what you did out in Alaska. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Todd and I, our ministry sites are close to High Point, which is the highest point in New Jersey. It's uh, eighteen hundred feet, and uh, not not an easy walk. If you're, I've I've walked up it. It's not. No, you know. it's not a not the easiest hike. No, and, uh, but. You know, anytime you're out this way in the country, uh, Blake, uh, Appalachian Trail is here, and we'd mm-hmm. we'd be more than happy to hike a portion of it with you. That'd be awesome. 
Yeah, uh, I had to, I walked up to Vernal Falls in Yosemite, which was a really, um, really yeah. fun, yeah. fun, but <laughs> but it's, but somewhat treacherous hike. Uh, when I, when I saw the stair the the stairs that were kind of etched into the side of a cliff with a with a single railing, like I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> But I did it. You know, I persevered. Indeed. One step at a time. That's all you got to do. That's all. One step at a time. It was was a lot of fun. I I definitely don't regret it. Well, nice. Uh, So, welcome to the podcast. Um, We're glad to have you on. Uh, We've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, But that brings us to, uh, hey guys, how do we know that God loves coffee? How, Sal? Because he wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. So are you telling me we're about to go to our Hebrews segment? We are. Awesome. So this is where we talk about whatever we're drinking, uh, whether it's coffee or other beverages. Uh, so, uh, Blake, you're our guest, so we'll let you go first. Okay. Um, I am drinking a... Uh, I use the AeroPress uh, to make... Um, a what is basically a weak espresso um, out of Cafe Oro, which is a coffee company and plantation in the central mountains of Puerto Rico. Um, I chose this coffee because I was actually just in Puerto Rico during the height of the earthquake outbreak. And uh, that coffee shop ended up being kind of a pivotal part of every one of our days um, just to bring a little bit of normalcy to what we were doing. We'd stop, have a cup of coffee, and then go about our work. So I brought uh, my bag on that trip grew by nine pounds, and it was all coffee. I brought home nine pounds of coffee. Nice. Was that through a PDA, Presbyterian Disaster Assistance? Or was that? It was not. Um, It was a person that I met at the Cradle Conference. Um, and she was there at the same time I was. We really didn't know each other that well. We didn't interact each- with each other that much, but we became Facebook friends, and our, we were initially planning to go to Haiti um, with a friend of mine who has, has a school there, but the political situation we deemed too dangerous, so instead we went to Puerto Rico and the biggest outbreak of earthquakes in their history. Yeah, yeah, and and quite frankly, I have a, our district superintendent is uh, originally from Puerto Rico, has family there, and her family lives in the the area that was hardest hit by those earthquakes. Uh, of course, that's a, not that big of an island, so it was all pretty <laughs> pretty hit hard. But yeah, but uh, hey, what, and, and they say town, you know what town did it live? What's that? What town do they live in? I would have to ask. I, I I don't know off the top of my head, but I know she was talking about. She was here at our our church this past uh, Sunday, and um and I do know that um that you know and she was sharing this that you know you hear the news reports of like four or five earthquakes, but really they've been hit with like you know over a thousand earthquakes and or tremors you know from December till now basically, which is. Just yeah. hard to it's just hard to imagine that in that little confined island yeah. of Puerto Rico. They're not. Yeah, we were 40, we were staying forty miles away, and one of the nights I didn't wake up because apparently I can sleep through just about anything. You can literally sleep through um, an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, apparently, uh, my daughter makes one little squeak in the night, and I'm up like a rocket. But an earthquake is no problem. Uh, <laughs> One of them, one of them shook our house so hard that it pulled the earplug out of my ear. Oh wow! Um, wow. But 
but I did not wake up. So <laughs> it all was well for you. <laughs> yeah. I just got mad because all these people were talking. I'm like, what are they doing up? It's four o'clock in the morning. And then I realized that earthquake had just happened. Wow. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sure you could probably, you could probably fill up the rest of the podcast with just stories of that trip. Yeah. But that sounds awesome. We'll have to, um, so it will, it will definitely come up. Uh, it will definitely come up again later. Good. Uh, that's for sure. Good. 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 All right, Todd, what are you drinking? Well, I am drinking. This is not uh, very uh, Scandinavian of me. Uh, hint, hint. But I am uh, not. I am uh, drinking uh, something called the San, uh, the Bakery Blend from the San Francisco Bay Coffee Company. Um, it's a medium roast uh, with notes of baker's chocolate, caramel, sweet orange, smooth finish. In tasting it, I'm tasting it right now. I don't, I mean, I definitely taste the baker's chocolate. I'm not so sure I taste the caramel or the sweet orange, but it is, it is uh, pretty, pretty delicious. It is pretty darn good coffee, and it's uh, ecologically friendly. It comes in what they call uh, one cups, which are these little, like, K-cup looking things, but the bottom are just completely meshed. The top are compostable plastic and paper, and it works in most Keurigs. And it's a K-cup, but it's basically just a filter. Yeah, basically just a filter. So it's uh, you get a little sediment at the bottom of your coffee, but it's so fine that you don't even feel it, so who cares? Right. And I wouldn't care anyway. Nice. So that's what I'm drinking. It's pretty, pretty darn good. Pretty nice. Yeah. I'm drinking an old standby, not Dunkin' Donuts. Yes! <laughs> Uh, I'm actually drinking a much better coffee, donut shop coffee, uh, Tim Hortons, Timmy's. Mm. Um, just their original blend. Uh, it's a medium roast. Um, it essentially, it is Canada's Dunkin' Donuts, but uh, <laughs> it tastes much better. Well. Um, and I do like Tim Hortons in that they do their K-Cups are designed to be recycled. Yeah. You just rip the foil off, dump it out, and recycle it. Yeah, yeah. So I like the fact that they're... Ecological, yeah, friendly. We found some ecological. And mine comes in this, this uh, as you can hear, this uh, compo uh, compostable bag. But it says do not, um, do not uh, check locally as these do not. Uh, it says compostable in industrial facilities. Check locally as these do not exist in many communities. Not suitable for backyard composting. So don't just throw this into your backyard compost because it'll just sit there. But um, but I'm gonna check to see if uh, if I if we if uh, waste management or something does that and uh, take it there. If not, it's going in the garbage and was completely defeats the point. Defeat completely defeats the point. But hey, I'm trying. Okay. Well, good. We are well caffeinated for this podcast then. Hmm. So indeed. Uh, that brings us. That brings us to, to our most excellent music segment. surprises everyone every time um it's a little shocking when todd does that if i didn't say this at the beginning of the podcast i normally do this is uh, our podcast is coffee music theology so this is our music segment started out 
uh, initially as a metal segment. I could have done most excellent metal today. You could have. Yeah. Uh, darn it. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, yeah, it did start out as a metal segment initially when we started this podcast a year and a half ago. Um, changed it to music because we found that we were doing all types of music. But yeah. today we are doing Viking metal. Truth. So, um, Truth. Who wants to go first? Uh, well. I'm, I'm about to take a bite out of my salt licorice, so somebody else should go. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Oh, we didn't, we okay. need you to talk about that before we go into the... So so as a prelude to our, our most excellent music segment, uh, tell us what we're about to be chewing on. Uh, well, this is going to be with a little bit of a full mouth, because I wasn't kidding. I was taking a bite. Um, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so... Uh, the first time I ever went to Denmark uh, to visit a friend of mine, we were on a boat to Sweden, as you do, and his wife tried to convince me to eat salt licorice, and I was like, what is that? I, 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 I hate licorice, I, at least I did. I, I've somehow found my way to liking it now, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, in, it's sisu, it's, it's endurance. Um, but she handed me this thing called salty fish and I have a few of those in front of me right now. And it took a video of me eating it and I was trying to talk my way through it <laughs> and I could barely get the words out. It was so awful. Um, <laughs> and so I'm selling it really good for the audience right now and they're going to go out and want to buy it right away. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, the thing that's, the thing that stuck with me is actually really fascinating in that, you know, it was a horrible experience. I said, no way am I ever doing that again. But then as I got some distance from it and I remembered the joy of being in that moment with my friends on the boat, mm. I started to crave that taste. And so I wanted to do it again. And as I've done that, it's kind of reinforced these memories. So mm. salt licorice is this thing that the Scandinavians love. Uh, it goes by many different names. Um, right now I'm eating um, salty fish and something called Super Flyers, which is um, the same as what you guys have, I believe, which is the Salmiaki, which is a tube of licorice Mm -hmm. with salt and sugar on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, I'm not going to lie to the people, man. It is not great the first time you eat it, but um, I've found myself enjoying it more and more uh, and appreciating the flavor. What what does it say that I liked it the first time I ate it? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. That's something. Um, you might have a good version of it. It might be a little more on the sugary side. If it's uh, if it's heavy on the salt side and there's not a lot of sugar involved, it's uh, it's pretty rough. I'm saying this is pretty salty. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. It's read. hard to read the ingredients because it's in uh, Finnish. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll finish this one and figure it out. <laughs> we'll f- yeah, right. So our ma- our most excellent music segment. I guess I'll go since you you had to go through your uh, talk through your chewing. Talk. Yeah, we'll give you a chance to chew now. So um, okay, so I couldn't really decide which which band to really go with. Now we all decided we were gonna uh, kind of talk about. Uh, Uh, Viking metal, and so I have a couple of ones that I I wanted to talk about, and then I have another, um, uh, I think they're a Finnish band. Anyway, um, they're, or Norwegian band, one of the two. Um, So uh, Viking, so uh, so Amon Amarth 
is the one that I, I pick because it's this particular song has such an epic, awesome music video that uh, you, you all have to check it out. But um, uh, Amon is uh, led by, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Blake, but uh, Johan uh, Hegg. Uh, they're from they're from Sweden. Um, they're most they're one of the most well known epic Viking metal bands, and um, they played with the likes of like Six Feet Under, uh, Mastodon, Slayer, Morbid Angel, just to name a few of few lightweights. Um, and uh, the song I'm choosing from them is Father of the Wolf. Uh, it is it's just epic, and the it has this kind of vision. It has this kind of almost to me, like um, the equivalent in America or North America would be like the the uh, Native Americans and their spirit animals when they're they're you know and them going out to, to almost to war or to battle, and um, uh, and this is like the Viking equivalent of that as far as I can see. But anyway, it's, here are the lyrics. Um, so he found. The heart in barren land, it was beating, still alive. He held it gently in his hand and looked up to the sky. With evil thoughts of vicious kind and sinister disdain, his thoughts of bringing back to life the witch that died in flames. Serpent's kin, born of sin, dark within, father of the wolf. Serpent's kin, born of sin, dark within, father of the wolf. Uh, Yeah. Uh, he, He then devoured... Gulveg's heart and she was born again they brought to life an evil force a beast that can't be tamed with dark deception in his soul betrayal of the gods then the bane of odin now is born born of evil blood and it's almost like a it's almost like a battle between like the gods like odin and like like the like loki and and the the people that uh, oppose odin uh, the Loki didn't always oppose Odin. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So, so like I could I could keep reading it, uh, but it, it's basically just uh, really awesome. And the, the 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 way that it is done on the video, they have like the, it opens up with it, them acting it out almost like like these two people are talking, and you find out that one of them is is uh, Odin or is calling upon Odin and Thor and then the other one's calling upon the dark forces and then, then they all like fight and it's just kind of like really epic. Um, and then if I had to pick uh, others because I was listening to a bunch of uh, metal last night or and this week. And um, so Bathory uh, is a Swedish band. Um, they're considered to kind of be one of the forerunning uh, Viking metal bands. They they weren't necessarily a Viking band, so to speak, when they came out. They're more like black metal, but they kind of helped pave the way uh, to this to this genre. Um, and so, a fine day to die is a great song by them. And we'll post all of these in our notes. Um, and then Kampfar or Kampfar. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, they're from Fredrikstad, uh, Norway. They were formed in '94. Uh, by frontman Dolk um, and Thomas, and um, they're a black metal band that's inspired by Norwegian folklore and nature. And uh, the name Kampfar is actually no- Norwegian for Odin. So uh, the song I would pick from them is Ravenheart because it's just awesome. Uh, and I really love the the guy's vo- vocals are just sick, 
just sick. And if I were to pick another band uh, really quick that is not Viking metal, but definitely out of Scandinavia, um, I would pick Nightwish. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're a symphonic metal band from Finland. I was right. They're Finnish. And, um, and they're just really awesome, especially when um, Tarja, Tarja was uh, uh, in the band. Her voice is just so operatic and beautiful and uh, just really good band. So anyway, that's my share of Viking metal or Scandinavian metal. Yep. Nice. Are you ready to go, Blake? I am, yeah. And actually, I just uh, you, you jogged something in my in my memory that I was going to look up before. So I have three things I'm going to bring up. Um, but, so stand up and fight by the band Teresis. Teresis is the first um, Viking metal band I ever encountered. Um, I found them back in 2000 and probably about 2010, mm. and um, they they are. They're just really fantastic. They, their last album was in 2013, which is a super bummer, and it looks like they're not intending to do any more. They still perform, okay. but they're not making any new albums. But the End of Fight, to me, is kind of this quintessential um, Viking metal um, song in that a lot, of, a lot of Viking metal turns out to be very related to perseverance, endurance. Um, and so... Um, the, you know, the opening of the song is the pouring rain sticks my hair to my face and empty gaze is all I have left. The stars that once lit my way have dimmed and the sky took gray, the path once so clear faded away. Blessed are the days when life is intent and clear, no falter or doubt, I know the way. They are the days I hope I have never stepped from this road. The spark I once had seems to have died. And then they get into stand up and fight, stand up and look into the light, pushing the clouds away, stand up and fight. Mm. Um, that is that is a very metal song and is a very uh, Scandinavian song. Um, now, it's also telling that uh, Teresa's is a Finnish band. Um, and so Finland has this national ethos um, that is apparently relatively untranslatable, hmm. um, but it's called Sisu, S-I-S-U. Um, and that's really, uh, uh, as I've listened to the song over and over again, you can see the Sisu ethic to have guts or endurance to keep on showing up um, in those words. Hmm. Um Another one that I've been really loving and have loved for a long time is Iron Will by Grand Magus. Um, Iron Will, I'll never give in or surrender. Iron Will reminds me to always remember. That's the uh, that's the chorus. So again, very similar, uh, and that's a lot of why um, I love this music. Uh, in short, it's it's kind of a pick yourself up uh, and keep on moving um, kind of music. And then as I was as I was listening to you, um, have you guys heard of the band Sabaton? Yeah. Uh, yes. yes. Yep. Um, so they wrote a song um, about the winter war in Finland, which is the kind of the creation, I wouldn't say the creation, but kind of the pinnacle moment in Finnish history where Sisu became a part of their national pride. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, I just, I love their music because of the way that they write about historical things. Um, so the song is um, Talvi Sota. Um, and uh, it's, it's just awesome. Um, and, and just knowing what I know about the winter war, um, the way that they portrayed it, it's a great song and the lyrics are amazing. And 
gets me excited to go wander around in the snow and pretend I'm fighting off the Russians. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody would argue fighting off the Russians. No. <laughs> well, uh, that's, another, that's another episode as well. Yeah, I'm going I'm to bite my tongue on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard, hard pass on that one. Um, nice. <clears throat> so I will... Uh, I'll round out the uh, this segment with another Finnish band. I don't know if they're necessarily Viking metal, uh, but they're def- definitely s- melodic or symphonic death metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Children, Children of Bodom. Um, apparently, their their name comes out of a. I guess there was uh, a case where some kids got murdered at a lake mm. near Bodom in mm-hmm. Finland. But uh, mm. <clears throat> got into them because they're. Um, their lead singer guitarist is uh is, is very he's an awesome guitar player um very much uh and they get their symphonic sort of metal vibe from him i don't know if you're familiar with Ingve Malmsteen and the whole uh mm-hmm. neoclassical metal genre uh where it's it, it sort of takes classical and shoves it into metal so uh yeah. So that's kind of his vibe, his his style of playing, and um, it's a good thing he can play really well because he can't really sing very well. But then again, he's screaming half the time, so it doesn't really matter. Makes um, up for it. <laughs> makes up for it. So I couldn't really pick what song to do for them because uh, so I have two. Uh, the one that I thought of it's uh, every time I die, um, off their Follow the Reaper album. Cool thing is every album they put out, the cover art is the Grim Reaper, which I always thought was pretty cool. Um, but the uh, the lyrics go: the faint blaze of the candle of my life slowly dying like a fire in the pouring rain. No sparks of hope inside. No shooting stars on my sky. On broken wings, no flying high. Another night, another demise. Cadaverous wind blowing cold as ice. I'll let the wind blow out the light because it gets more painful every time I die. Out of strength to fight, I cannot take another night. I cannot take it no more. Lust of light slips through my fingers uh, like blood on my arms. Black candle wax has burned me. Um, so that's, uh, it's almost you kind of get the sense he's talking about not having the will to persevere. Um, but, um, I don't know, just the, 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 the guitar behind it is just, it's mesmerizing. And uh, their other album, uh, Are You Dead Yet? Um, the, the title track off that album is a, another great example of his guitar playing. And I have memories because it came out the year I started at Dubuque. And I can remember walking from the townhouses uh, to class, listening to Are You Dead Yet? And thinking, I probably shouldn't be listening to this song as I go to my seminary classes. But... <laughs> It got me through that first year of seminary. Yeah. So. There's a lot I shouldn't be listening to. <laughs> but I listen with, with glee and glory. So. Indeed. <laughs> so one, one more thing I thought about. Um, this is, uh, it is, we don't need to go too, too in depth into it because it's not really Viking metal. But um, one of my kind of guilty pleasures is the Eurovision Song Contest. Mm-hmm. Um, in no, in no small measure because of a Finnish band called Lordy. 
who was the Finnish submission for the Eurovision Song Contest, which is a contest about pop songs. They are the Finnish version of Guar, and they and they won. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Hard Rock Hallelujah uh, Eurovision. You need to look it up and watch the video. It'll it'll just it'll blow you away. Man. It is awesome. Okay. Hard, hard Rock Revolution. Uh, hard Rock Hallelujah. Oh, Hard Rock Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. We can. Uh... Good, good, good church music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for good church music. <laughs> My, my congregation may not be, but I am. Yeah, if you want a reason to leave a church, I'd play that one during worship. All right, so we'll, uh, we're going to put all of these uh, selections in our uh, episode notes um, at some point when we get to it. Uh, and this brings us to... Oh, this brings us to our Utholdenhet uh, segment, the Utholdenhet segment, which is uh, Norwegian for perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah. Um, so, so we thank you for <laughs> persevering through this episode. Indeed. Um, so that's, uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk about really what perseverance is and why it matters and what it means in our life. And yeah. And I, I have a, I just have a stray feeling that this may come down to a, a Wesleyan versus uh, Calvinistic uh, understanding of perseverance and i have to say this is the first time blake i think ever on this podcast that sal has outnumbered me because normally for for some reason we brought in people like guests when we brought in guests who are pastors or clergy or whatnot they've been methodist so it's been like the lone calvinist with the methodist Uh, though in our clergy group that's quite the opposite (laughs) where i'm outnumbered but so so this will be kind of a neat like uh a counterbalance to that and uh so yeah I'm a pretty terrible Calvinist. Hey, amen, brother. (laughs) Well, if it's any consolation, I I was confirmed in the Presbyterian USA Church. So, um, and here I am, a Methodist pastor. So I don't know what that says. Predestined. We'll see how I'm doing because I always joke with my folks. I'm a Presbyterian working for the Methodists and I worship in an Episcopal church. So, what does that say? (laughs) You are ecumenical. I'm very ecumenical. So that probably makes a makes me a pretty bad Calvinist. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> Persevere. So, where do we want to start? Well, I'm I, I'm sure we all have a story of perseverance in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You you kind of alluded to that a little bit, Blake, about perseverance in your life. Um, I can um, definitely. Growing up and doing martial arts and Taekwondo and the Korean, the Korean idea of one of the tenets of, of Taekwondo in A is perseverance. Yeah, it's one a. of the, yep. the characteristics that you, um, is instilled in you. Endure. Endure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and I endured. Um, <laughs> I, and I always look back at it and think, you know, I got, I got ordained and received my third degree black belt, uh, a week apart. Yeah, I remember that actually. So I got ordained on one Sunday, and I got my third degree blackboard on the next Sunday. Yeah, and then so, you hung, you hung it on the wall. Then I hung it on the wall. office. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, rock on. Uh, all the while going through a divorce. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No perseverance. No perseverance at all. 
Uh, I remember yeah, the word inne uh, because I, I didn't take Taekwondo. I took uh, Tangsudo, uh, which is also Korean. Um, and uh, inne was a word I didn't like very much during classes because that usually meant I had to endure through something I didn't want to endure through. But but it is a good word. And, I mean, I, I think the very word perseverance or endurance or tenacity or any of those words usually mean you're in a situation that's pretty rough and tough and somehow you you get through it and that's the the persevering end of it um or you don't <laughs> but it's uh so yeah so um okay so as clergy is there ever a time we're not persevering like <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I could talk about just ministry in general and the things that I've had to persevere through, but, um, my whole life has been a series of, um, moments in time that involved perseverance, whether it be perseverance through depression and anxiety and being bullied and, uh, and, um, you know, my, my kind of troubled, uh, youth, and, uh, you know, teenage years, uh, to perseverance through losing my job and becoming a stay at home dad and trying to figure out what, where I ought to be in life and what was wrong with me and all those self identification things that, that a man particularly in that time, we're talking 2004 when not many men were really staying at home with their kids. Now it's a little more common. Um, but you know, that was a, a series of a, t- a period of perseverance and then and then realizing well maybe god wants me to answer the call i had as a child and maybe i've gone in the completely wrong direction and then persevering through the entire get your ed- finish your education go to s- seminary and endure through the united methodist <laughs> ordination process which uh is a and was an in law it almost felt like a gauntlet at some points um but but uh, here I am on the other side. So, my, I mean, there's any number of points in my life I could talk about perseverance, inne, endurance, utholdenhet. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. How about you, Blake? Yeah. Well, I've got a number, uh, but the one that, that sticks out the most um, is kind of a, it's a long story, but um, kind of culminated uh, in a specific experience of, of persisting in perseverance. Um, I was a pastor in Illinois, a different part of Illinois. Um, and through doing my job, the way I felt like God had called me to do it, the uh, church decided I was no longer useful and, or, uh, to put more fine point on it, decided they would make me into a good pastor, whether I wanted it or not. And so that resulted in, um, Constant, constant criticism, constant um, gossip. You know, I would show up to session meetings and there would be, there was one person who would have a list of complaints that I needed to address. And this was every month for a year. Um, eventually, I had two mental health professionals tell me, like, you either need to leave this, uh, leave this church or be prepared to die uh, <laughs> because I was falling. And so we left. Uh, I'd been married for a whole six months at the time that I quit my job. We moved in with my in-laws for four months, which was just as great as it sounds. And um, 
Then my wife got a job in Colorado, uh, which was awesome because I love the mountains, but uh, Colorado is very expensive and they did not pay her very well. So I was working four jobs and donating plasma so we could pay the bills. Yeah, wow. Um, and eventually um, all that led to me, you know, being very certain that God was calling me back into ministry. So I started the process. Um it started to go really well. I got to drive, uh, got the pleasure of driving to Alaska with my dog because we ran out of time on our lease and we ended up in Alaska. And then um, I got called down here to Rock Island for um, the candidating weekend and the, the, the church overwhelmingly voted to accept me as their new pastor. So on October the 2nd, we flew back to Alaska. On October the 4th, I got in my car and uh, two days, uh, or the next day, October the October the fifth, I got a phone call from the from somebody here on this end that said there's a problem. Um, and my old presbytery, the other one in Illinois, hmm. um, the head of the CP or the um, COM was refusing to release me to service in my new presbytery, which meant I couldn't take the job. And so, by that point, I was. 15 hours of driving away from Anchorage in the middle of Canada and didn't know if I still had a job or not. <laughs> and um, so I just, I kind of sat in white horse on for probably two hours wondering what to do. And eventually I got a hold of one of the members of the, the PNC, the, the nominating committee for the church. And he said, well, I think you ought to keep driving. <sighs> Um, and so I did. So I started driving alone through Canada, not knowing if I had a job and every mile getting further and further away from my wife and my daughter and, uh, just kind of every, every few miles I'd say, you're, you need to turn around, you need to turn around. And then something would say, Nope, just keep on driving. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. just you know, put another mile down, put another mile down and keep on going. And, uh, here I am two and a half years later and uh, nobody's even tried to fire me yet. So um, we're doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Wow. <clears throat> and I think, uh, and we were talking to you, Blake on Facebook and it sounds like it's going a lot better. You know, ministry has, it has its challenges wherever you are, mm -hmm. whether it's yeah. a pastorate or a chaplain job or, but mm -hmm. it sounds like it's a lot healthier. It is. Yeah. You know, we, um, this, as you as I compare the two churches, as you know, you're almost guaranteed to do. Uh, you know, the 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 eyeball test would say that the previous church was in a much better place, newer building, more money. You know, all of these you know younger families, that kind of thing. But um, I would take I would take the group that I have here at South Park over them uh, every day of the week. They just they have a much better heart for wanting to do ministry and. And, and we just are a much better better fit together. So it's been a, it's been a really <clears throat> wonderful change. And, I mean, they stuck with me through all that mess. It took me six months to get installed at, at, that, at this church mm -hmm. um, to satisfy my old presbytery. Six months of psychological evaluations and meetings and ambushes and all kinds of things that we don't have time to talk about. But mm -hmm. in, in the midst of all that, um, we just kept on getting to the next day, um, which is, you know, to me is, is the kind of the definition of the kind of perseverance that we, that we find in, you know, Viking metal, but also in the scripture. So. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. 
that makes me uh, reflecting back on my perseverance. Um, graduated from uh, Dubuque in 2008. Didn't get didn't get ordained until 2014. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, there was a you know life and a divorce thrown in there, um, and um, a committee on preparation for ministry that wasn't necessarily the most supportive. Um, <clears throat> and really dragged out the process, at least in my 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 perspective, dragged out the process. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, those feelings when, like you mentioned, you're driving down from from can through Canada, <clears throat> and your your mind is saying, "Okay, turn around." My my secure thing is back in, in Alaska, um, and having. Having your heart and your mind fight each other to persevere is mm -hmm. one hell of a battle. Yeah, I think that's is. why Viking Metal speaks so much to it because it it's <clears throat> literally a battle. I can remember. Yeah. <clears throat> I can remember. Um, my ex-wife told me I took a job overseas. I leave December whatever. No discussion. <laughs> just this is when I leave. This is what's happened. Um, okay. Um, and I went into, I remember my presbytery needed, required me to do uh, CPE. <laughs> and so I, I signed up for CPE, <clears throat> went into CPE with my heart ripped out, <laughs> um, and had to fight through that. And came out the end of it. Said, "All right, sign me up again." Yeah. Yep. And mm -hmm. sign me up again. Um, it really became my uh, my therapeutic. Your way through. Way through. Mm -hmm. um, but that's how. <clears throat> and I don't know how it was for you on your drive through Canada, but that was that was how. Uh, it took that process for me to remember that during this process of perseverance, um, on the other side of it, God is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, in the shittiest times, yeah, and the happiest times, yeah. Um, and it took me finding it took me finding God in the shittiest times <laughs> to appreciate Him in the good times. Isn't that the way it works though? The 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 shitty times, the the terrible times, the tough times, the trials. That's when we're like desperately seeking God. Um, I, it's almost as if if we didn't have those times, we'd almost never look to God. But because of those times, it strengthens us. Um, and then when, and because of those memories and you have to forgive, by the way, this is the life of the church. It's now 500, it's 508 PM Eastern time. And people are calling the church to leave messages, um, as if the office is open at 5 PM. So, uh, anyway, uh, but I think you, I think going through those trials, um, and tribulations, uh, they, when you when you are in happy times, you can remember back to them, which reminds you the presence of God um, more yeah. more clearly than if everything just went well. It's that through the valley yeah. of the shadow of death <coughs> moment that brings you into realization of your need for God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was driving, um, it was it was stunning because when I drove up, when I was on my way, and I was enjoying this unbelievable drive from Fort Collins to Anchorage, just riding the Rocky Mountains all the way to Anchorage. It was, it was the only time in my life I've ever been inspired to tears by scenery. Mm. 
it's just I can't I can't speak highly enough about that drive. It was phenomenal, but I didn't have cell signal ever. Like I, it was unnerving to be that far into the middle of nothing that there was no cell signal. Mm. On the way back, every time I started to really despair, I would get a phone call and the <laughs> signal was working. Like by just the sheer fact of pointing my car in the other direction, apparently I was catching signal finally. That's crazy. Um, yeah. But in the, in the times that I was sitting alone and it was just me and my sleeping dog flying through, um, I started, um, Sal will know this. I don't know if you will. Um, but, the the first question of the Heidelberg catechism just kept echoing in my head over and over and over again. Um, and that first question is what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer, it's a question and answer. So it's memorization for for kids, but the answer is that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in death, uh, life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from all power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Mm. Uh, therefore, by his spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Mm. I, I mean, I hadn't thought about the Heidelberg Catechism in probably 10 years uh, when this happened. And it just, those words that I had learned in seminary during our Presbyterian polity class mm-hmm. were reverberating in my head as I was going through basically the worst few days of my life. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it was, it was amazing. Mm. Um to, to experience that. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. That's, uh, similarly for me, the, uh, the brief statement of faith mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. very similar starts out in life and in death. We belong to God through the grace of our Lord, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy spirit. We trust in the one triune God, the Holy one of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. Mm. Um, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, similar to what you were talking about as well, um, there's this book I've been reading by a good Norwegian man named Erling Kaga. Mm-hmm. Um, the only human being to have walked to all three poles on the earth, uh, North Pole, South Pole, and Everest. Mm. And um, he wrote in this, he wrote a book called Walking. It's a philosophical book about walking. I highly recommend it. It's full of awesome stuff. But one of the things that is that I come back to time and again, he's talking about a time that he was um, hiking in some mountains in Norway with his uh, girlfriend at the time. And so I'll start reading. She was a skilled climber and led the way. Up. However, just as we reached the summit, we were surprised by sleet and bad fog. Steep cliffs surrounded us on all sides. Going an extra step into the mist into the mist could be fatal, and we were forced to spend the night up there on a small plateau without a tent or a sleeping bag. Throughout the night, we jumped up and down to stay warm, shadow boxed and flailed our arms. We still froze. Today, when I think back to that hike, I remember it as one of the happiest experiences that we shared together. Spending the night together under such traumatic conditions made this night stand out in my memory from all the other easier evenings. When the sun rose and we helped each other descend to safety, we found that the hours spent in the darkness had brought us closer together. Hmm. 
And so that's been, uh, that's been on my mind a lot lately as well, that the, especially in working with the church, so often um, churches feel like they want the easy thing. They want the easy way. They don't oh, want yeah. it to be hard, but in the end, it's the hard stuff that we remember. It's <laughs> the hard stuff that, that, that undergirds our faith to the point that we keep on coming back day in and day out, week yeah. in and week out. Um, yeah, I think churches today, their 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 solution is bring in the cool hip pastor who's just going to attract everyone, and we'll go back to the way things used to be. And of course, that's a well, never the way things ever were, and b um, that's not a healthy, good church. <laughs> and and and, uh, and the easy way. Yeah, I, I love the New Living Translation, uh, uh, or at least the original New Living Translation. I think they've since uh, altered it a bit. But the original New Living Translation said that um, the highway to hell is wide and, and short uh, for those who seek the easy way. But the, mm-hmm. high, but the road to heaven is narrow and windy and hard, for, uh, and very few will ever find it. And, and I think about that, and I, I think about how many times we cut corners for the easy way only to find ourselves anywhere but where God has called us to be. And, um, and so, yeah, the easy way. Um, I, th- I would agree with that. Churches are often looking for the easy way, and sometimes pastors, too, mm-hmm. um, where, where you know, we, we'd rather avoid conflict and, and keep status quo so we can have an easy go at ministry rather than doing the real hard work of, of <clears throat> aligning people with the will of God and, and the direction of Christ well, and I, the Holy Spirit. Yep. I, and I also think... Uh, you know the the Korean word for perseverance in a literally means patience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't think we as the church have patience for it's... the hard things to get to get through the hard things. Uh, and that made me look into. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, Oswald Chambers. Yes. Uh, the utmost for uh, yep. My utmost for his highest, which is his devotion. Somewhere up here. Um, he was a Baptist chaplain in England during World War One. Yeah, <clears throat> but he based on Revelation three ten because thou hast kept the word of my patience. He writes the patience of faith. Patience is more than endurance. A saint's life is in the hands of God like a bow and arrow in the hands of an archer. God is aiming at something that the saint cannot see, and he stretches and strains. And every now and again, the saint says, "I cannot stand anymore." God does not heed. He goes on stretching till his purpose is in sight. Then he lets fly. Trust yourself in God's hands, for what have you need of patience just now? Maintain your relationship with Jesus Christ by the patience of faith. Though he slay me, yet well, yet will I wait for him. Faith is not a pathetic sentiment, but a robust, vigorous confidence built on the fact that God is holy love. You cannot see him just now. You cannot understand what he's doing, but you know him. Shipwreck occurs where there is not that mental poise which comes from being established on the eternal truth that God is holy love. Faith is the heroic effort of your life. You fling yourself in reckless confidence on God. God has ventured all things in Jesus Christ to save us. Now he wants us to venture all all are all in abandoned confidence in him. There are spots where that faith has not worked in us as yet, places untouched by the life of God. There were none of those spots in Jesus Christ's life, and there are to be none in ours. 
This is life eternal, that they might know thee. Mm. The real meaning of eternal life is a life that can face anything it has to face without wavering. If we take this view, life becomes one great romance, a glorious opportunity for seeing marvelous things all the time. God is dis- discipling us to get us into a central that this central place of power. And that's his, his work on the patience of faith. Wow, yeah. Oswald Chambers. Yep, good stuff. Uh, and I actually highly recommend that that a, that book. Yeah, that's uh, my that, utmost first or uh, my what's that called? My utmost first highest or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Another. Yeah. He has another devotion in there about um, taking the taking the spiritual initiative against despair. Mm. Uh, where Jesus, I think it's after the feeding of the five thousand on the boat, uh, basically says. Let's get up and move to the next thing. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes the yep. only the only uh, spiritual initiative against despair is to get up and do the next thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've been um, been reading a lot of uh, Stoic stuff recently. Uh, I can't. I stumbled across the Daily Stoic podcast, and then um, also across a Daily Stoic. Uh, it's a book, like a you know one you know one little little bit a day. Um, and that's, I mean, that has been, it's kind of all self-reinforcing stuff that, you know, really all you can do is focus on what you can control and control that and leave the rest of it alone. Um, but really just trying to do the next, the next best thing that you can. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's all you, all you really can do. Um, that, that actually has anybody, is anybody here, um, a, into Disney at all? Well, now that it includes Star Wars, of course, and Marvel, and well, I mean, I do, I do have, a, I have a three-year-old daughter, so, so yes. So you, um, you by default are a Disney fan, yeah? Okay. Um, um, so, yeah. So, uh, have you seen Frozen two yet? Yes, I was dying, laughing so loud it was probably upsetting people around me. <laughs> but there's that song in in Frozen two um, about do the next right thing. That I think yeah. is exactly what you're talking about. I, one of the things that I appreciated about Frozen 2, um, uh, and there actually are plenty of laugh out loud moments in that movie, but but one of the more serious things from from that film is this understanding of that sometimes sometimes we're faced with situations that seem to bring us to the brink of despair, where there seems no like there's no hope, there's no way to move forward. What the heck am I going to do from this point on? Let's just give up. And really all we can do in those moments, and this is really a position of faith, all we can do is just do the next right thing. Sometimes we don't even know what the next right thing is, but we just have to go with our gut and trust that it is and just do the next right thing. And I thought that was very profoundly powerful. And you saying do the next right thing reminded me of it. So, um, yeah. And uh, I'll let it go from there. Let it go. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, but yeah, no. Uh, so now my daughter really has to listen to this because I just brought Frozen into it. So there you go. yeah. Um, so uh, one of the one of the ways that uh, perseverance has kind of found its way into my life as well is with my mountain climbing. Um, there is no no quick way to climb a mountain. I don't know if you knew that or not. Mm. Um, but I was uh, training and training and training for this fourteener that I wanted to do. 
um, which has now rejected me twice, which is very frustrating. But I've learned I've learned something every each time that I've attacked this same mountain. Mm. But uh, I was training in 20 step intervals on this box. I would do box step ups 20 and then another 20 because I figure, if, you know, if you can just do 20 more. So the first time I tried it, I, you know, I was exhausted and, you know, there is no oxygen up there. And so I would just make myself do 20 steps because I always knew I could do 20 steps. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I got turned around because the wind was gusting at 50 miles an hour and I almost went airborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what turned me around that day. But um, at the, when I went out there, it was for the future of the church summit, which is a continuing ed thing that I do every year. Mm-hmm. And we had this exercise at the end where this guy dumped a box of toys on the floor and all of these people are supposed to like walk around and prayerfully think which toy is the one that God has for them. And, you know, I, you know, was looking at, oh, there's a lighter, you know, it's one little spark or it's a, this thing and it's a that. And I would look at a ruler and I'd say, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. But every time I would pick something up, I would be like, no, you need to take the ruler. Uh, and as I was thinking about it, the ruler is, it, you know, I, I came up with this, this concept that we, we go through life one inch at a time. You can't do the whole ruler at once. You've got to cover the first inch first and then the next inch and then the next one. And, um, that was a a challenge I've had in some of my other calls is I want to do the whole ruler at once. I want to climb the whole mountain in one bound. And I think one of the reasons it's going better this time around is I'm trying to go inch by inch instead of rushing to the, to the summit as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, uh, it is, it is born fruit in that I've been able to, you know, slow down my pace. Cause when I'm frantic, other people are frantic, but it's also allowed us to um, enjoy where we're at. And, yeah. and, yeah. and just think like, well, no matter how bad it gets, we just have to like open the doors again tomorrow. Um, right. if we can do that, we'll worry about the one after that. Um, yeah. I, I actually can concur with you by the way, about the lack of oxygen. I was up at, um, Maybe this is. Uh, I was up at uh, Loveland uh, Pass, uh, the Continental Divide there in uh, Colorado. Oh yeah. Uh, and just to walk, like, so we were down by the the road at the top of 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 the uh, uh, the peak of the summit, so to speak, where the sign for Loveland yeah. Pass is. And yeah. you could walk up. There's there's a, there's a little bit more to go up, and you can walk up it. And I remember walking up it, coming out of the car, walking <laughs> up it, like, oh, no big deal. And by the time I got to the top, I couldn't breathe. I'm like, I'm like, what in the world is happening to me? That was just a little short walk. That shouldn't. Have, and I realized, oh yeah, elevation. <laughs> There's no oxygen up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is no oxygen. Yeah, because that's a, that's a, that's like eleven or twelve thousand feet where you were. Yes. I mean, that's, yes. That's yes. Serious business. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty pretty rough. And then uh, the headache that ensued on the way down and the rest yeah, of the day was, was a lot of fun. Yeah, That uh, that idea you mentioned of the ruler and one inch at a time uh, made me think of part of perseverance. And for me, um, was starting over. Um, mm-hmm. Not only I'm obviously remarried now, expecting our first child. Uh, you know, this is something that I had dreamed for and hoped for with my first wife, which just never happened. Mm-hmm. And having to admit that, okay, I have to start over and getting to a place where I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah. um, like I said before, I was I got my third degree black belt 
within a week of getting ordained and then um, stopped training for a while. And our, our school has since switched over to jujitsu. And then mm. the process of, okay, I need to get back in the dojo, but this means I have to start all, start over again as a white belt. Mm. Um, yeah, well, maybe. That is, that is a mind blank. Well, yeah, if you're a third yeah. degree black belt, now all of a sudden you're a white belt. Yeah. Obviously different. It's a, so it's that perspective, okay, I had to get over it because I, I several several times, okay, I'm going to start, and then I would stop. I would start, then I would stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten to the point now where I'm consistent enough that I've been going quasi-regularly. But I had to say, okay, I'm going to start over this time and just take it a class at a time, and I'm not doing this to get to point X or point Y. You're just doing it. I'm just doing it. Yeah. Um, I'm st- And humble yourself to start over again is really hard. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to being humble yeah. and uh, recognizing that whether you're a third-degree black belt or a white belt, you're all in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kevin realized, well, duh, dummy, you wouldn't have been a third-degree black belt if you hadn't started as a white belt. That's right. You did start there, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, a good Asian philosopher would ask you, what is the difference between a white belt and a black belt? You know, and yep. and um, that that form of humility that comes with that, uh, stripping away the, the false pride that we have. Um, yeah. So that's that's powerful, powerful stuff there. So to turn this slightly into a theological a more theological conversation, not that it hasn't been theological, um, but where, where, where do you, so where does perseverance go theologically for you? I guess the best way to ask it, maybe. Uh, well, first thing that comes to mind for me, um, and might be similar for you, you can disagree with me, Blake, if you want, but it leads me uh, to perseverance of the saints, which mm. is a good reformed concept um which essentially boils down to romans eight thirty nine, mm-hmm. that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of god which mm-hmm. is the concept that says that you know once the holy spirit has begun to dwell in you and regenerated you and uh worked on you mm-hmm. um that nothing once you find that acceptance Mm. Nothing can separate you from God. Yeah. Um, this is, this is, and I, I won't speak quite yet, but this is where I think, I don't think Wesley would 100% disagree with that because obviously he would agree with Paul in Romans 8, uh, the, the end of Romans 8 there. Uh, but this is where I think the, the hair starts to get sp- sp- split on what perseverance means and what it means to be saved and what it means for the Holy Spirit to be working, you know, sanctifying and regenerating one, uh, oneself or, or, or people, uh, toward, toward the kingdom of God. But what would you say about it, Blake? Well, this is where I become a pretty bad Calvinist. Um, I am, uh, more, I'm more in line with Bart on this uh, particular mm-hmm. aspect. I think. Um, By the way, I think Bart's a great Calvinist. Not from. It comes not from our choice, right? It, I mean, it is mm-hmm. there. Our choice is there, but um, 
Bart talks about how our person, like our, the fact that we are, are not rejected by God and the fact that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God is by no fault of our own. It's not anything that we chose. And it is, to me, it is that the knowledge of the fact that God's love is unending, no matter what we do, no matter how far we run, no matter, you know, how bad we think we are. God loves us the way that I love my daughter and, mm-hmm. and Sal will love. Uh, is it going to be a boy? Is that right, Sal? Did I yeah. just ruin something for the world? No, no, it's a boy. We've announced it. It's a boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, your son and, and Todd, you're, you're, what, kind of, what kind of kids do you have, Todd? Two daughters, one a, a sophomore in college and one a sophomore in high school. Yeah, so you've you've been through teen years, and I'm guessing there's still nothing they could ever do that would make you love them less, right? Correct. But, um, Correct. Yes. And that, to me, you know, that's how I come at the perseverance of the saints: is that this knowledge of the it, when we when we rightly understand the love of God, uh, that is what allows us to get through any any day that comes, any 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 dark cloud that hangs over us that. That's that to me is where I see the perseverance of the saints. Yeah. Um, I am I am not the once saved always saved, but I am also not not that person. If that makes sense. No, uh, it makes sense, and I would say that John Wesley would. Uh, I would. Well, whether John Wesley did or not, I agree with you. Uh, I think John Wesley um, would not disagree that that it all comes down to God. In fact, I would call it the perseverance of God's grace because <laughs> that's the, that's God's grace just endures forever and forever and ever and ever. Just like a, the love of a parent, ideally speaking, there are bad parents out there, but the love of a parent, ideally speaking, you know, no matter what your child does, it, some things may disappoint you. Some things may deeply hurt you, but you still love your child. Um, right. and God's love is much that way. And, in terms of God's loving us, nothing nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Um, where where Wesley, I think, would pick bones um, with with Calvin on the perseverance of the saints is that there are plenty of people who are caught up in that love, who are seemingly uh, on the tr- a track to be you know Christians, are living that life, and then for whatever reason, whether it be circumstances, personal choice, whatever the case may be, they just fall, not just fall off the path, but just ditch the path altogether. Um, and and God, I think God's love allows us the choice. I think any real relationship gives the choice to love or to not love. Um, and we're always somewhat in the, um, we're always in that place where we could choose to, to stay with God or to not stay with God. I think the more we're, we realize that we're loved by God, the less we want to be separated from God and none of us are perfect. And just because we're imperfect doesn't mean God's automatically going to, you know, damn us to hell. And people will say, oh, have you lost your salvation today? Which is kind of a swipe at Wesley. But I don't think Wesley was ever saying that you could just flippantly lose lose your grace because you ticked God off or something. But but when you get to that point where you no longer need God, want God, care to be with God, and there are Christians who who fall into that category uh, sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Who who have gone so far off the path that you can't necessarily call them Christian anymore. Um, you can you know so it's it's but but Wesley I think would say that ideally if you're always coming into the realization of God's love for you that pushes you toward perfection toward sanctification toward that that regeneration which is um, which it happens 
you know, when you are saved, but also carries on throughout your life till you're perfected to be in the presence of God. And, and so that's, that's where I think Wesley would take it. And if, and I think if, if you're a bad Calvinist, uh, Blake, I'm going to join you because I, I agree with, with, uh, Bart on that. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with Tillich and that this, my work with my divorce and CP kind of brought me to, uh, Tillich, Paul mm-hmm. Tillich. Um, yeah. and his work on Romans five, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds evermore. Amen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the courage to be is the courage to accept that you are accepted yeah. despite being unacceptable. Yeah. And that, that to me is Calvinism. Yeah. And I think that's Wesleyanism. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I, yeah, this is where I struggle. I agree with Calvin in that, you know, yeah, we have a choice and we nine times out of 10 choose to sin. Yeah. But I also believe that rooted in the perseverance of saints, as Bart or Tillich would articulate it, is that the sovereignty of God is in that acceptance into. It's not in. It's not in my. I have no say in it. Well, I wouldn't go as far as to say you have no say in. So here's what I would say. God's love gives us the choice to choose God or not to choose God. Without God, we would not have that choice. We would just automatically choose not God. I mean, that, you know, Wesley said he only comes in with a, within a hair's breadth of Calvin in terms of original sin and uh, in terms of our original state. So, like, our original state without the grace of God is... God who, <laughs> you know, um, but, but God gives us the choice to know God. God gives us the choice to choose God. God gives us the choice to accept and, and all of that. Um, I would say that we have no choice over God's loving us. God, whether we're damned or right. saved, God yeah. loves us. And, and there's nothing we can do to separate ourselves <laughs> from that. Uh, we do have a choice to accept it or not accept it. Um, and that that becomes, I think, the splitting of the hairs. And I think that's why Bart is so loved by Calvinists and Wesley. That's why Bart is a good man on both sides, and why the extremes on on any side don't like him because mm-hmm. he finds that common yeah. ground. Yeah, I find I find any time you uh, start being uh, start being accused of being a universalist because of your high theology of the love of God, you're in pretty good company. Uh, <laughs> amen, amen. And if that's universalism. Because neither Bart nor any any uh, Tillich or anybody else, uh, certainly Wesley and Calvin, n- none of them believe that people are just universally saved across the board. That there is no accountability, and that you know whether you choose God or not, or whether God chooses you or not, you're one way or the other. I, I, I think I think what I think what what Bart and Tillich and Wesley and 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 I hope Calvin would would say is that God's love. Um, God's love is universal. That that God's love is different than salvation. You know, it, salvation comes out of God's love, but God's love. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, it has to be. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, or it isn't God's love. I mean, that was one of Bart's right. most powerful points when I took my Bart class. Exactly. If the cross of if the cross of Christ is not efficacious for all, then it is efficacious for none. Exactly. Um, it has to be universal. Right. If it can't save everybody. Then it can't save anybody, and so yeah. you know, as we had a we had a um, uh, Methodist uh, pastor professor named Elmer Collier. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you know the name or not, but um, he uh, in one one of our doctrine classes, he talked about how the mystery of iniquity 
mm-hmm. is that this is the grace that God offers that nothing we could that there is nothing we could ever do to make him love us less and yet some people still say no thanks yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah uh, and and there is a difference between God loving us no matter what and our our saying yes or no to that I mean there's a there's a because one is God and the other is us and and um we're not God, but, but God, if God's love and, and the ability of the cross to save anybody and everybody, uh, is not universal, then we, then, then it falls flat completely. And that's, I agree with Bart on that. I mean, it's, it either can save everybody or it can't, um, whether somebody chooses that or not, whether somebody accepts that or not is a different story, but, but, but that ability is universal. That, that love is universal. Um, and it has to yeah. be, like you said, it has to be. Well, yeah, and, and coming back around to the topic of the day, I mean, is that to me, at least for me and, and in my preaching, the knowledge of that kind of love is what gives me the ability to keep driving in Canada, to keep marching forward one inch at a time. Right? That's where the perseverance comes from, is if God, if, if God is for us, who could possibly be against us? Amen. And we know that yeah. God is. Yeah, um, right. And I'm right there with you. That's it, in any of the moments, especially since I've come back to God, because uh, there was a period in my early adult years and teen- or later teenage and early adult years where I, I didn't consider myself Christian at all. But even looking back to that time, seeing God's love through that time, and then certainly seeing God's love through all of the times and the trials and the good times that I've had since then till now, uh, I you know, that is what helps me persevere. That is what um, brings me to uh, what the what the Norwegians would say is utholdenhet, you know, like that perseverance, that, that, that tenacity. It's because I know that no matter where I am or what I'm going through, God's with me. I'm not alone in this. Right. Uh, and, I mean, that love pursu- pursues me. <laughs> I would say yeah. that, yeah. that pursuit... Uh, and that tenacity of that pursuit, I think we'd all agree as pastors or chaplains, um, makes us better pastoral caregivers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, you can't be in a, for me as a chaplain, you can't be in a, in a, in a community where you essentially <clears throat> walk 20 people to their death no. every year without knowing yeah. God is there, God yeah. is present, and, you know... I I have to know, I often ask folks when I first meet them and they're in distress. I say, "Well, what gives you hope?" Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could be Jesus, it could be your their dog, it could be their but you have to find that that thing of hope to keep you going to persevere for. Uh, it sounds yeah. like the three of us that that thing of hope that makes us persevere is the love of God. Yeah, absolutely. In the person of Jesus. I'd be nothing without the love of God. You know, I'm, I may be stepping too far, but I, I I am of the opinion that whatever people find their hope in, if it's not something that's completely insane, like for a while I found my hope in the Cubs winning the World Series and I would ruin my life every year that they didn't. Um, that's but, tough, man. <laughs> yeah. if, uh, you know, if you're finding your hope there, um, I believe that is a blessing of God in your life. And it's just helping to orient people to see that. Mm -hmm. You know, if your hope is dog, you know, know, I thank God for my dog. My dog, Tillman, who is sleeping on the couch across from me as he has spent most of his life in our family, 
um, as my life was falling apart in Fulton, that dog laid on the couch next to me with his yeah. head on my leg. And sometimes I would just sit there and cry with my hand on him. And I, I'll go he, as far as was, to say that the closest we get to understanding the unconditional love of God is the unconditional love of a dog. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go yes, as far and, as saying and, that. Yeah. And the closest I get to total depravity is cats. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is I have a cat and a dog in my household. So I, it's like literally heaven and hell. No, no I actually might. Yeah. My, I, ironically, there's hope even for cats because my cat now acts more like a dog because her relation is with my dog. So, um, well, thank, well, thanks be to God for that. Um, yeah, she licks no, me incessantly I, I, and wants nonstop attention. I'm just like, okay. I firmly believe that dogs are who we were meant to be, yeah. and cats are who we became. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, on the on the on the whole, probably agree with you on that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the, uh, the the counter here, and we've gone a full hour and eighteen minutes almost Rock talking on. about perseverance. So, do we want to? We want to. Any last thoughts, and we'll tie this up, and then uh, we can. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, for those, I would say for anyone listening to this to this message, and I, I'm kind of glad we we went uh, over time on this because this isn't something that is light. Um, I think sharing our personal stories is important because we we uh, endure through through tough times just like anybody else. Um, but anybody who's listening to this, who's going through a hard time, or if you're not now but end up at some point or look back at times you did, um, know that that it you don't persevere by your own power alone. You persevere because of the love of God which pursues you no matter where you are or what state you're in. It pursues you. It's unconditional, and it's there for you if you just open your hearts to it. And that love will fuel you and push you to persevere in and through all things. And I I would add to that, you would be surprised if you do go through an endurance period of perseverance. Take note of how the love of God manifests in that journey, Mm -hmm. whether it's a dog or a colleague, mm-hmm. or um, the patient with cancer in the bed that you're supposed to minister to, but who ends up ministering to you. Yeah. Or hell, even or a cat. Hell. Or even a cat. <laughs> if you're a cat person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys are going to get some wicked email for that cat comment. I apologize. <laughs> probably. Well, there'll be a lot of agreement, but probably a lot of disagreement, too. But that's okay. Bring it on. <laughs> I concur with you, Blake. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would, you know, kind of the the fundamental thing that I come back to is um, when you're in when you're in the hole, just try to move one inch. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm. It's nothing. It, it's it's nothing. Just move move an inch in any direction. Just 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 start trying, and yeah. and you'll find that you'll get your way out of it in no time. And that's because of the the grace of God and and the continuous love of God that rewards that kind of just trying again. Um, you know, I, uh, just got back from this trip in Puerto Rico and those people have been through things that none of us can, can really imagine. Yeah. Um, and it was stunning to me to have these people who lived in the mountains of Puerto Rico who caught full force of hurricane Maria. Um, not all that long ago. <laughs> Uh, two years ago, yeah. and they're still in recovery. And, and these people in these churches said, you know, um, 
when the hurricane came, we were doing bad and they were doing okay, so they came and helped us. But now they're doing bad and we're okay, so we're going to go help them. Amen. Yeah. Um, so there in the church we, we were at in Lares um, with a really talented pastor named Evelyn, um, their, their mass, the, the, the calculus they were doing was, do we have enough to turn the lights on tomorrow, if the power's on, that is? Mm-hmm. And if so, then we're going to help today. Amen. Um, and that, I think, is a lesson for us in the wealthier part of the global church to kind of wake us up and stop worrying about endowments and worrying about these things to ensure our endurance and our persistence and our perseverance, but to let that thing go and just do the good that we can today and let tomorrow deal with itself. Agreed. And I would just add one thing to what you you said, because I, I, I think it's important when we're going through tough times or, or in, we're going through life in general, we want to take on the world and we can't take on the world that God took on the world. We can't take on the world. Um, so taking an inch at a time, taking it moment by moment, uh, taking one step uh, and putting one foot in front of the other is the only way we can ever get through. And and uh, I think that comes back to that, you know, humbling ourselves. We're, we're either going to humble ourselves or we'll be humbled by our circumstances. So uh, that, that humility uh, uh, that you provided us uh, is, is key, I think, Blake. So thank you. Yeah. So... Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Blake. Yeah, thanks. Uh, for th- Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And for those of you who uh, who are subscribers to our uh, Patreon uh, account, you're going to have the lucky uh, benefit of hearing us, uh, uh, Blake included, talk uh, after after this episode ends. So if you are one of those folks, you are going to get to hear it. If not, what are you waiting for? Like, like yeah. seriously. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Throw down some money, you get access to the bonus content. You can uh, you can see Todd and I, and yeah. you can see the phone from well, which Blake's voice as long, is As long as you're you're not in the $2 range, otherwise right. you'll hear us. But you'll but all us. the same. I think, you should, I think you guys should include also some close-ups as you bite into the dark licorice, because that's really important. The first facial expression is really key. That will be on our, that will be, you know what, we'll do that. We'll do that in our podcast. So, uh, here, here. Uh, so with that said, uh, again, uh, this has been a, a great podcast. I'd invite you to check out our, our episode notes. We're going to have everything, well, maybe not everything, but as many things as we can put in there that I remember to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, check that out. Uh, but in the meantime, friends, I think it's time to say be excellent to each other. And don't be a jerk. Amen. Amen. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on.